The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. A reading from the prophet Joel. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relent from punishing. Who knows whether God will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, and call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery and a byword amongst the nations. Why should it be said amongst the people, Where is their God? This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent, 40 days of contemplation, prayer, and service that will bring us eventually to Holy Week and Easter. This year, as we enter Lent, we are painfully aware that our world has been journeying under the shroud of coronavirus for a long time. The earth has made it an entire lap around the sun and still we struggle with this disease. Thankfully, like small tendrils poking through the winter soil, signs of hope can be seen in ongoing vaccination efforts and in a reduction in the overall number of cases being reported. We, we pray that these tendrils of hope will continue to grow. Here at the church, we are committed to remaining vigilant as we move through the next and, and hopefully, hopefully final chapters of the pandemic. As my friend Bob likes to say, nobody wants to be the last soldier to die on the battlefield. At the same time, we wonder, and I bet you do too, what will life be like post-coronavirus? What changes in attitudes and practices that we're undergoing now will, will stick with us? What lessons, hard lessons, have we learned from this time? Will we, as a society, as, as individuals, move into the next chapter of history with hard-won wisdom and deeper regard for each other? Or will we rush back to business as usual. Throughout Lent, we're going to ask these questions from the standpoint of our faith. We're gonna spend the next 40 days talking about 
what it will mean for humanity to rise from the ashes. As we commence this journey, let us turn to one of the classic texts for Ash Wednesday. Listen now for God's word as it echoes to us from Psalm 51, beginning with the 10th verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's an odd thing, like so many odd things that we've done in recent months, to observe Ash Wednesday in a virtual format. <laughs> Traditionally, we, we offer ashes to people here at the church all day long on this solemn day. Clergy make the sign of the cross on people's heads with a thumb dipped in soot, and we invite people to observe Lent with the words, remember your baptism and be faithful. What is Ash Wednesday without this uncommon and intimate liturgical moment, someone touching our foreheads, marking us with a smudged cross, reminding us of our hope in Christ? A former student of mine who pastors a Presbyterian church in San Antonio once told me about an argument that broke out in his church when they first considered having an Ash Wednesday worship service. Some in the congregation objected to the use of ashes, seeing it as a public display of piety and, and worrying that the faithfully smudged would go around sporting holier-than-thou attitudes. Others described ashes as a powerful symbol, as an appropriate way to participate in an act of humility, to, to grapple with mortality, and to mark the beginning of Lent. What was Ash Wednesday, they argued, without some soot on your brow? Attempting to mediate, the pastor suggested a compromise. We can set it up, he declared, so that individuals can decide. If people want ashes, they, they can mark themselves. If they don't want ashes, that's okay too. Well, when it came time for the service, a, a liturgy that also included communion, the pastor stood and explained that worshipers were to come forward for the Lord's Supper. First, they would receive a communion wafer, bread of life. Next, they would dip their wafer in the cup of wine, cup of salvation. And then the pastor gestured to an elder holding a small saucer, if worshipers so desire, they can self-impose ashes. So the people stood and, and they came decently and in order, except for one small problem. The preacher had failed to explain what he meant by self-impose. And he came to this realization when the first man to approach received a wafer, dunked 
his wafer in the wine and then turned and dipped it in the dish of ashes before eating it. So startled was the congregation by this strange act of penitence that the worship committee was compelled to rethink the service. Never again, remarked my former student, will I suggest that people self-impose. I've been thinking about that story all week. First, because your clergy decided early on not to suggest that you self-impose ashes while participating in this service. And second, because it reminds me that the spiritual core of Ash Wednesday can be difficult to grasp. Today, many people typically think of Lent as a time to give something up, a season to deny ourselves chocolate or caffeine or alcohol, as if that might somehow cultivate spiritual maturity. Now, there may be good reasons for giving up all of these things, but giving things up is not the central impulse of Lent. The central impulse of Lent is taking on something new. Lent, you see, began in the church as a period of preparation. In early Christianity, new converts to the faith would be baptized on Easter. And so the 40 days before Easter was set aside as, as a time for followers of Christ to study the faith and, and to learn, you know, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, all this content of Christianity, and also to take on the discipline of personal daily prayer and to participate in acts of service for those in need and to learn the ways of Christ prior to being baptized. Lent was not supposed to be 40 miserable days during which the faithful would chew on ashes. It was meant to be a journey moving from ashes and repentance toward new life. We can see this spiritual arc in one of the traditional readings for Ash Wednesday, Psalm 51. The backstory to Psalm 51 is one of the most painful stories in the Bible. It's, it's a tale of adultery, political deceit, and the misuse of power, ripped from the headlines, as they say. Psalm 51 was written by King David. It was written after the king was called on the carpet by the prophet Nathan. You remember how the story goes. King David had an affair with Bathsheba, while her husband Uriah, an officer in the army, was away at war. Bathsheba became pregnant. To cover up the affair, David schemed to have Uriah reassigned to the front lines, to the place where the fighting was most fierce. And sure enough, Uriah was killed in battle. David thinks he's gotten away with it all, the affair, the murderous cover-up, until the prophet Nathan plays a visit to his throne room. And Nathan tells David that God is aware, aware of everything that's transpired. 
God, Nathan declares, intends to punish the king for his duplicity and the terrible things that he has done. David's response is startling. It's startling because it's so unlike anything we see in politics today. King David doesn't double down and deny wrongdoing. David actually confesses. He admits the terrible sins he's committed. He acknowledges the, the pain that his actions have caused. He, he pleads for God to lead him down a different path. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. It's quite a prayer. David's prayer lays claim to sins and moral failings. It speaks truth after a season of lies. It offers contrition and repentance. It's, it's not a trivial promise to give up chocolate. It, it's not a pledge to put on sackcloth and ashes either. David knows that God doesn't want groveling or sacrifices at the temple. God wants change. So the shepherd boy who became king, the man whose heart was corrupted by the power of the throne, makes a request, a petition, a plea for help in making change. David asks God to give him a whole new spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. This, my friends, is the perfect prayer for Lent. People of faith, Lent does not call us to, to dip the bread of life in ash and, and to feel miserable as we chew on it. Our calling is to pray that we might emerge from the ashes of this incredibly challenging season as changed souls our calling is to pray that we might emerge from the ashes of this season that has, has raised our personal anxiety, fanned our anger, weaponized political vitriol, confronted us with racism, and brought us face to face with some of our worst impulses with a new spirit. In this David points the way. On Ash Wednesday, David points the way. The time has come to stop denying our problems and our sinfulness, to confess our brokenness, and to ask God's help in moving toward a more righteous place. This is the journey of Lent. And this is the prayer that we will say on the way. Will you please join me in offering David's prayer as your own? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Amen. Bless you on the journey of Lent. Have courage in this time. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. 
strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen.